This content is issued by Zeus Capital Limited, which is authorised and regulated in the United Kingdom by the Financial Conduct Authority, the designated investment business, and is a member firm of the London Stock Exchange. Nothing in this podcast should be viewed as investment advice. Listeners should consult an investment professional before making any decisions regarding topics mentioned in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not of Zeus. Please note that participants in this podcast may have financial interests in the matters discussed. Hi, I'm Nick Searle, a member of the Zeus Equity Sales Team and host of A Different Perspective. Here we interview interesting characters from the world of business and finance and uncover a different perspective. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts or contact me at live at zeuscapital.co.uk. We're recording this on Thursday the 23rd of June with Martin Gilbert and Campbell Fleming. Martin is chairman and Campbell CEO of AIM-listed financial platform business ASICO. Code is A-S-T-O. Martin needs little introduction. The prolific city dealmaker co-founded Aberdeen Asset Management in 1983, concluding in a merger of equals stand-to-life investments to create the UK's largest financial service firm. Martin also acts as chairman of Revolute, the digital payment platform, the UK Oil and Gas Association and the Scottish Golf Union. Company's house suggests Martin has over 120 directorships. Campbell was global head of distribution and marketing at Standard Life Aberdeen, and prior to this was at Columbia Threadneedle and JP Morgan Asset Management in similar roles. Today, he is driving the ASICO platform as CEO. ASICO was established to take advantage of the structural shift happening within the financial service sector and has already attracted a number of high profile shareholders, such as Christopher Mills at Harwood, Tosca, Lombard ADH, Schroders, and Canaccord. Gentlemen, welcome. Delighted to be here. And me, thank you. Thank you. Can we start by setting the scene of how you both came to start your careers and subsequently working together? Martin, should we go first? Yeah, yeah, no, I'll go first. Uh, I'd just like to say I don't get 120 directors' fees. It's a a real shame, actually, because I wouldn't need to be doing this if I... uh, if I if I got that many uh, if if I got that many fees, um, now I was fortunate. I was uh, I was born in Asia, which helped us helped a lot in the development of Aberdeen, having been born there and knowing about emerging markets, because we built Aberdeen largely on the back of Asia and uh, and emerging markets. Uh, I was a Scottish chartered accountant. I also had a law. A degree like uh, Campbell, but I'm not a qualified lawyer like uh, like uh, Campbell is, uh, and I was just lucky to be around in the early '80s when the two partners of the legal fit firm we were part of asked me to join them to become a partner in the legal firm, uh, and we started Aberdeen uh, back then, fifty million dollars under management, and when we merged with. Uh, Standard Life uh, 2017, I think we had 350 billion under management. We were with clients in 80 countries with 40 offices around the world. It was a truly uh, global asset manager. So it does really show it doesn't really matter where you start a business as long as you have uh, global ambitions. And then obviously I'd known Campbell for many years in the industry and I was really looking for someone to come in and succeed me at, uh, at, at Aberdeen as, uh, as CEO and uh, I persuaded Campbell to leave his, 
his role and come and uh, come and join Aberdeen, uh, heading distribution. Um, and I'll, I suppose I better let Campbell tell you how he started <laughs> yeah, in absolutely. asset management uh, as a sort of lowly lawyer <laughs> in, the, uh, in the profession. Well, thanks, Martin and Nick. Um, so Martin has a Scottish law degree and I've got an Australian one and he's always pointing out he can act in more places than I can technically do that and it's probably a better degree. So I, I trained as a with the Attorney General's Department, did a bit of securities regulation, moved over here, found my way into Fleming's Asset Management and then ended up uh, at Columbia Threadneedle um, and at Aberdeen working for Martin, couldn't resist working for an industry legend um, and uh, it's been a huge amount of fun and a lot of hard work, which is good. Thank you both. If we can move on to Asico, obviously this is this is your new platform. What's the vision? You know, where do you hope to take it? What's the opportunity and how can it grow? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I suppose we don't really know how far we can uh, take it to be truthful. Uh, but what we do know is we do know about asset management. We know how to uh, acquire businesses in the uh, in the space. We know how to run them. And we know how to integrate them. Now, <clears throat> both Campbell and I have discussed, we don't want to have as rigid a model as we had at Aberdeen, which was a one-size-fits-all. And especially that that relates to two areas. One is style, I suppose. Aberdeen was all one style. The problem with that is if you go off, everything goes off at once. And, and similarly in distribution, we don't want a sort of one style fits all again. We'd like probably more specialists in the business than we than we probably had at, uh, at Aberdeen. So a different model. And our ideal uh, company we look at is what I would call an investment-led uh, asset management uh, company. Uh, asset management companies either tend to be investment-led or distribution-led. What we really want are these investment-led boutiques, if that, if, to use that word, where, the, where it can often be a founder. And Scottish uh, SVM, mm -hmm. I almost used the old name of Scottish yeah, yeah. Value there, um, it's a good example. There's a CEO who's passionate about investing, passionate about running money for, for clients. Um, and he, he, he was thinking about succession and, and uh, retirement and these sort of things. So, so th that's, that's where we'd probably see it. We'll, we'll see where it takes us. But the area we like at the moment is, uh, is definitely long-only equities because everyone is negative on long on the active equity yeah. asset managers so that's really I suppose where we're, we're looking and then that gives an idea that these boutiques can slot into your platform that you've built through yeah RM I think or? I think uh, you know I, I, I think that as I say we don't want it to be the one size fits all but yeah we'd like it to be one one or two platforms for various technical reasons it might not be one but one regulated entity, but keep the fun with its original name. We don't need to have one brand. We can have flexible, we can have flexible arrangements on uh, remuneration, these sort of things. 
And will you look farther afield in Scotland? Because obviously that's been your Edinburgh's um, been your focus yeah. initially. Uh, yeah, London. We're we're bigger in London. We don't want to give the impression we're completely <laughs> parochial. I mean, Campbell lives down here, and I live down here most of the time now. Uh, but yeah, we like Edinburgh, London. I mean, I, I mean personally, I'd love to have something in Singapore again, just because. Mm-hmm. That was where we built this massive Asian business at uh, at, at Aberdeen, and and I think I think Singapore has almost superseded Hong Kong in in asset management in in Asia. So yeah, I mean I think Asia's are still a massive opportunity. I mean it's not as competitive as the US is, for instance. And then that would be a sort of long only boutique rather than sort of the financial products that obviously rise and... and yeah, I think so. Yeah, it would be a long only boutique. I mean, I'll let Campbell talk about rise because I think, I think the way to look at rise is as a distribution wrapper rather than as a separate asset manager. Yeah, so uh, rise just under half a billion sterling in issuance. There are eight ETFs ranging from the future of food to the humanization of pets and probably for the first time as Martin said you can put in a wrapper that's much more accessible than a traditional mutual fund people can buy them on their phones people can buy them quickly but more importantly they understand a little bit better what they're buying you know they're not buying a global MSCI 250 ETF it's saying sort of what it does on the tin and uh, we spend a lot of time building these uh, model indexes for it that pick up these long-term trends and we feel that that choice between active equities, long only that Martin was touching on, um, thematic ETFs, and then also what we were doing in private markets with uh, Ian Berry's small business that we picked up uh, with the River and Mercantile acquisition, uh, that gives us a brilliant triangulation in terms of what 65 to 75% of forecasted industry growth is targeted to, to be coming from. And then how, how does Parmenian fit into the into the mix? I mean, Parmenian was a company we bought at Aberdeen quite a few years ago for circa 50 million. Um, and Aberdeen found itself with three platforms and uh, two big ones on third-party technology and, and this smaller one called Parmenian on its own technology and probably made the right decision to sell that one, uh, that one being Parmenian, and we teamed up with a private equity buyer to to buy it, mainly because we knew the business so well, we thought it had enormous uh, growth prospects, and, and it's definitely turned out that way. I mean, we've, we're seeing it back to profitability, it's, it's, it, it's got terrific profit at the, at the moment, so we're very excited about it, and uh, but what I would say is that 30% is not our typical model. I mean, we usually want 100% or, or less. I mean, uh, Rise, I think, what have we got, Campbell? That's 68, 70. So, so, yeah, I mean, it's not our normal model. So, uh, But it, seemed, it was too good an opportunity to pass by, I think. So hence the reason we, uh, we own it. But it's a very, very exciting platform business. And platforms are, uh, are very valuable commodities at the moment. Absolutely. Obviously, that operational gearing comes through quite aggressively. Um, are there any other platforms or, or verticals that you'd like to, to look to expand? 
into? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I think we'd like to just keep concentrating on probably long-only investment-led asset managers, as as I said, uh, and building um, building private market businesses. Um, mainly because the value is in long only asset managers yep. six yep. seven times and you go to a, a private market business they're all listing them at the moment at 20 times so probably they're not listing them because they think the shares are going to soar in value uh, so I think I think build those businesses at the moment and then I mean you're both extremely successful individuals who could spend most of the day going fishing if you wished you know, what drives you to, to go again? Well, we do go fishing most of our time. No, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I don't want anyone listening to this podcast to think that, that we're not giving 100% of our time at this. Um, I don't know. Maybe I, I think people in asset management, it's probably a bit like uh, financial, any aspect of financial services. You either love it or you uh, you don't. And and fund management is a terrific industry that you're looking after people's money. You're really doing a lot of good. And, and uh, yeah, well, I think we both enjoy it, I mean, I would say. And, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, you can, the, the, the mobile phone has meant that you are freed up from the, from the office more than you were when we first started, yeah, when you were yeah. sort of tied to your desk. So you can get away and, and so on, and you can balance a good quality of life. So, uh, but I would say uh, I'm working harder than probably I, I, I did. And Campbell's definitely working harder than he, uh, <laughs> than than he has ever done. Yeah. <laughs> Not hard enough though. <laughs> Look, I, I just enjoyed, Martin's put together a great team, I think. Uh, Really top people, you know, six deals in under 18 months. We've now got a 48 million pound balance sheet. We've got revenues approaching 25 million and almost uh, 13, 14 billion of assets. And, you know, you can't have that, you can't deliver the results and do that in some of the big firms these days. And it's great to work out, but it's even better to achieve and get results with a good bunch of people. Yeah, and, and I think one of the good things is. If you're small and as we are, you can make decisions quickly. Yeah. And I see that at Revolut. I mean, the great thing about being chairman of Revolut is it sort of brought back to me just how nimble and quick uh, growth companies can actually be because you're not sort of, you're not under this huge bureaucracy. So, um, yeah, no, it's good fun. Um well, it's good fun at the moment, and uh, we may be in for a rough couple of years as far yeah. as markets are concerned. But, but still, it's it's still great fun. And I guess a sector that's ripe for some form of disruption, if that's if that's the right. Yeah, way. it's a very fragmented sector, um, even at the top level. I mean, there's not. It's not like investment banking to a certain extent, and and. Yeah, those companies that are caught in what I would term the middle ground of asset management are are certainly finding it uh, finding it tough. Uh, so you either want to be big or small in asset yeah. management. Our aim is to to keep small, uh, keeps keep being small and nimble. So what would be a target sort of AUM three to five years out? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's more revenue, isn't it? I'm. Yeah. I mean. I, I think there are various aspects to that. I, mean, I, I think 
one of the great advantages we had at Aberdeen with a lot of permanent capital and closed end yeah. funds. So I love that. And, and obviously the great benefit of private markets is that uh, permanent capital vehicles. So yeah, there's more, I, I would say, yeah, let, let's aim for a turnover, a fee income of whatever it might be, 50, 100 or something. And as Campbell said, we're 25 at the moment. So yeah, it's good fun. So there's a great runway then for opportunity. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot out there. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of these very small investment investment led businesses uh, that where the owner might be thinking of 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 succession, uh, where the performance is fantastic and they've got five hundred million under management and don't understand why they don't have five billion, mm-hmm. and uh, it's mainly because. Performance needs to be sold. Performance doesn't sell, so it's uh, it's an easy formula for us. We 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 like the distribution bit, and we like people who are passionate about running money. Yeah, yeah. The other thing a smaller company allows us to do is make decisions quickly, and in the time that you'd be making a slow decision, you'd actually spend it with your clients. And you know, Martin's yeah. a very focused client guy. I am as well. Uh, you know, he's been visiting clients around the world for over forty years, maybe less so. And and you know, I think sometimes some firms can just lose sight of the fact that it is the client, and it's a privilege to look after them and run their money. No, that makes a lot of sense. What sort of multiples do you have to to pay for these acquisitions? Or how does I, I don't know. I've always work? I've always been a great believer in a multiple of revenue because uh, with a certain pound of revenue, you know you can make whatever it is, 30, 30 pence or whatever, 30, used to be 40, but mm-hmm. things are toughening up in the, uh, in the industry. So it's still a very high margin business. So yeah, we like paying two, three, four, two to four times revenues is how I always look at it. Um, and, uh, and and we know if we pay that, we, we, we can make that business uh, profitable. And I guess not a great deal of competition for these assets? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> True. I mean, I suppose the big guys don't want to buy an asset manager of 500 million, yeah. do they? So um, the big guys want to buy something with 100 billion. So, um, and by the big guys, I mean the big foreign players, the Japanese or the French or the Italians or whoever it might be if they want to come into the UK. So yeah, there's not a huge amount of uh, competition, but but of course they still have the option of not doing something because they tend to be pretty profitable, some of these. As I say, the the owner tends to be investment-led, so really is just really interested in running money more than anything else. Yes, it's funny, isn't it? You, those that are good at running money might not be good at raising money and, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, I think that is a very... Uh, yeah. Uh, the So, yeah, so as I said earlier, CEOs are either investment-led or yeah. distribution-led. I think the better... Uh, I, I, of course, modestly, I remember at a conference, <laughs> I said I thought I was both, actually. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, and, uh, and the the CEO of the future might be a technology led CEO. By the way, yeah. I mean we're speaking about different skill sets now coming through in in asset management because traditionally they've been an investor or a distributor. But maybe the the next generation are going to be these guys who who are better at the technology and uh, and so on. So. 
Um, yeah, so as I say, I think I think that's very true. There are very few good investors great at running money as well. No, that, makes a, that makes a lot of sense. And then it'd be remiss for me not to ask, as I have you both here, I mean, obviously markets have had a, a tor- tortuous couple of months. I mean, you know, how do you see this panning out? What's your view? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I wish I knew. Uh I mean, I'm on, I'm on the board of Glencore, so I saw the inflation coming in probably sooner than the, the than we did in the market because, I mean, I think in the commodity companies, inflation is not 10%, by the way. It's price inflation yeah. of three 400%. So yeah. it was obvious there was going to be inflation. I'm not convinced that raising interest rates helps helps huge amount to um, to to solve it because there's the traditional way of solving inflation is you you tip the economy into recession yeah. so all it'll do is curb wage inflation I think so I think we've got to wait and see if commodities flatten out which I think they will and supply chain gets rectified because those are the two big yeah. components of the, of the, the, the inflation pressure, yeah. and I suspect the Bank of England know that but of course they're under such political pressure as you know you get politicians saying they haven't acted soon enough they should have put interest rates up quicker and all these sort of things but I don't think it would have helped yeah market would like some form of direction I guess yeah I think I think sit it out it would be Put up interest rates a bit. I mean, bear in mind, this helps governments. I mean, apart from the current account, obviously, where they're having to pay more for for uh, debt, but this inflates them out of yeah, uh, a big exactly. problem. Yeah. Indeed. We, we also think it's just a great time to own active management businesses. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. And uh, take that, our focus on real assets or real markets, and then you have some. Uh, well-structured thematic that will take advantage of some of these potential secular trends and you know we think we've got a good combination. Yeah I guess those large passive funds may well be seeing a number of outflows quite aggressively. <laughs> well they can't they can't change their style enough yes. to take advantage yes. of what are going to be good inflation hedges, how can we get out of the growth stocks quickly enough, these sort of things. I suppose because they're so index heavy, it's a very sort of backward looking rear view mirror. It, it is, so it is. And as the growth stocks come down, so, but as I've said many times, active fund managers have to outperform that. Yeah. yeah. Um, start earning their fees. Exactly, they're modest fees. Modest fees, exactly <laughs> right, Martin, very modest fees. Um, as my regular listeners know, I'd like to close with a few final questions. Uh, my first one to both of you is your greatest sort of inspiration or mentor? Well, I mean, I would say my, mine's quite easy on the, on the asset management side. I mean, he was one of the greatest fund managers, but also a great fundraiser as well with <laughs> Sir John Templeton. Yeah. I remember meeting him and... Uh, I should have been cleverer when he was floating his company to know that uh, that, that was not the time to buy his stock. But I was I, I I remember him coming to Edinburgh, and I've never seen an audience so uh, entranced by uh, by an individual in the, the sector. So, and I love value investing as well. Yeah. So he yeah. would be my. Uh, I inspiration. He then worked with Mark Mobius in Emerging Markets. Yeah, well, Mark, you know, I think Mark would, I think 
so John Templeton would say Mark Mobius worked for him yeah. myself but uh, but, but, <laughs> but Mark, Mark was you know he was he was probably our biggest rival in Aberdeen yeah. probably in the the sector and I mean a real real um, yeah I mean pioneer of emerging markets and I, I also admired him because he flew around the world as a fund manager in a private jet. Yeah, you know, I yeah. used to think this is the life. And uh, <laughs> he would only stay in certain hotels because they had to have the right gym equipment and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, no, he was an amazing, he still is an amazing fund manager. I remember him coming to town when I was in the Nomura Emerging Markets desk. Yeah, he, was, he was one of our biggest clients at the time. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he was. <laughs> yeah. well, was it called that then, the Emerging Market Desk? desk or? It was pretty cool, actually. I spent a lot of time in Lagos in Nigeria. I was oh. the largest Western investor or conduit to the Lagos Stock Exchange. You're kidding. No. Those were the days. I spent a lot of time in Lagos. He was a big investor in Turkey, I remember. Yes, yeah. Uh, me, uh, I'll go a little bit off piece, go back to my, my um, place of birth, Australia. Gough Whitlam, uh, reforming, transforming Prime Minister, QC, uh, war pilot, just an all-round interesting fellow. Um, and one of my abiding memories was his dismissal in November 1975. Excellent, thank you. Uh, and a book that inspired you, though? Oh, gosh. I, I love sports books, actually. So any sports book, I'm a, I'm a nut for sports books. I always remember the one... I think it was called Five Iron in My Soul or something. And it was this journalist who became a caddy on the European tour <laughs> for a year. And I always remember the bit where he was, uh, I can't remember the pro he was with, and uh, they were playing in the European Open, and he was leading in the European Open, the pro, and they were having an argument. And uh, the pro said it's six iron. He said it's five iron. He said, I knew my career was over as the five iron soared over the green. <laughs> <laughs> Me, uh, Killer Mockingbird. Yeah, okay. Very classic. Yeah. Uh, and then what piece of advice would you give to a young person starting out on their career if they wanted to follow in, in your footsteps? I mean, you can say don't, but I mean, uh, <laughs> hopefully something will a little bit better. And mine's easy. I've always uh, used it, which is it's uh, better to try and fail than never to try at all. Um, you should never, especially if you're young enough to uh, afford to fail, um, because you don't want to live the rest of your life thinking, I wish I'd tried this and, um, and, and you didn't. So yeah, it's, it's a very simple piece of advice. Just give it a go. Super wise words, Campbell. Work hard and be good to your mum. Uh, again, I mean, again, very, very wise words. Uh, if uh, listeners want to get in touch with you, chaps, what's the best way? Is the website? Yeah, um, yeah. Is that no, the best way yeah, to absolutely uh, yeah. to come and and uh, learn a bit more and obviously mm -hmm. come forward with any questions? That's great. Thank you, and Martin Campbell. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank Pleasure. You. Great to see you. And indeed, if you'd like to get hold of me, uh, please use live at zeus.co.uk.